You're listening to the Really Big Questions podcast with Cynthia Hickman. Cynthia asking you the really big questions as always, and this one is a really interesting one. I want to ask you, how does our early family life set us up for the rest of our lives? Good question, because um, often people feel that um, once they're through their childhood and adolescence, that that's done, that's over, and off they go into their lives. And that stuff happened years ago or even decades ago, and so can't possibly be influencing them in the present. But that's just not the case. Like whatever happened back in early days, in a sense, is still with us and still influences, and we can carry that impact sometimes for the rest of our lives, unless we stop and realise and um, adjust the impact that that family life has had. Oh, so that's that's quite a lot in that. Um, what are some of the things that, you know, break it down a little bit more? How, what are some of the things that this early family life c- can actually, um, I guess, the, cor- the corners of it, what are some of the details of the early family life? So um, we all have a family, all have a family way of doing things, a family culture. And sometimes we don't realise that what's happening in there is not necessarily healthy because we just take it for granted. That was our family. It just was what it was. We did what we did and, you know, that was all okay. But when we start to break it down, sometimes we'll realise that it was having an impact that we didn't quite notice at the time because it was just our family. It's just what we did. But there can be things like, say, for example... And I'm not meaning to be critical, it's just there can be patterns and ways of doing things in families that aren't the best. And everyone's often meaning the best, but it doesn't come out that way necessarily. And sometimes it doesn't land with the child in the best way. So say you've got a family and they're, they have sort of high standards and it's all about doing things well and striving and you know succeeding, then that's going to influence a child so that they feel like that well, they have to do the same thing, that they've got to meet external you know, criteria and that if they don't, they're not good enough. So that sort of pattern in a family sets someone up to possibly be a perfectionist or possibly to be stressed and trying hard all the time. Or it could flip the other way and the child could go, there's no way I'm ever going to measure up, measure up so I'm just going to give up. So someone can head, up, head on into a, a given up sort of way of doing things. That's one example of a, a type of pattern. Another one might be, um, say, if you've got a, a family member, you know, probably a parent that's really super strict uh, and maybe they get angry or maybe they lose their temper. And so a child, an adolescent can learn that, okay, um, people can be scary, so I better not speak up. And that could lead to a child or an adolescent or, you know, an adult even that is too scared to speak up and express themselves and they try and be compliant and do the right thing by other people all the time and they don't fully express themselves because they're too scared to. Or it can flip the other way where the person is always like, people are always going to be critical, I just expect criticism because that's what happened in their family. So they're always on edge, always looking for the judgment or the criticism and ready to fight back. And those people are just constantly defensive and you can't say anything without them taking it the wrong way because they're always like got their armour on and their shield out and ready to protect and, uh, and attack back. That's another pattern. Maybe in the family there was um, like something 
bad that went on, like an accident or an illness or like, you know, depression in the family, nobody talks about it. And the child, adolescent, feels like well, something's wrong. This is all a bit scary, but nobody says anything. So they end up with an anxiety because they can't talk about stuff because no one talks about stuff. So they tend to be a bit anxious. Or they could be a bit, a bit depressed because, like, something's wrong and I don't know what to do about this and no one ever says anything. So they head into the world with a bit of depression because things never get talked about. Like, they're different sorts of patterns. I mean, there are hundreds of different sort of patterns and behaviours that can happen in a family that impact us in the present, sometimes without us even realising. So is this something like, uh, I'm presuming by the by the way you're talking, like th- this can just keep going on from generation to generation to generation until yeah. somebody becomes what I've heard quite commonly known as a cycle breaker. Is that yes, kind of how yeah, it works? Yeah, because this, these sort of patterns can get passed down and down, like you say, through the generations. Like if you've had a really strict grandparents and then they pass that down to the parents and then the parents, without realising, they just operate the same way and then they pass that down to their children so that you've got a family that's very strict, always trying to do the right thing and present in a certain way that's acceptable and that would get passed down to the next generation unless one of those kids says... I don't like living like this. I disagree. Like, this is not okay. I want to be different. And that child would be called, you know, maybe the circuit breaker child because they've had enough of that. They can't live like that. But they're still being impacted because they're flipping into a, like, sometimes they'll be aggressive about it or um, maybe a bit too extreme about it because they're flipping in the opposite direction. So it's still having an impact and they can still be carrying that load later on down the track. And what can happen is then they flip in the reverse direction so their family might be become too permissive because it's like stuff standards, I'm going to just live however I want and I'm not, not going to tell my kids what to do, they can just live however they like. It's like, well, that's just had just as bad effect only in the reverse direction. That makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's something that we can we could probably look at different, you know, understand different family um, uh, interactions and and start to be able to realise ourselves how the early yeah. family life has been able to impact us, our friends, other family members, yeah. and so on and so forth. So, I'd imagine like we would have things that impact our families, um, including things like war, um, yeah, and, yeah, you know, even COVID pandemics, and so this can also yeah. completely change a course so not just you know the you know the high achievers and things like that but then we could have a sudden something that impacts a family that would continue we'll start a new cycle yeah and this is probably one of the first places where we noticed this was with the wars that happened last century first and second world war where men came home from war and they just weren't the same like they were in trauma we didn't fully realise then the impact of war and the, the trauma that that caused, but so many men were deeply impacted and they came back to their families, changed people, and they weren't really coping. And what a lot of them did was turn to alcohol. And so a lot of the families lived with a father who was actually an alcoholic, but no one spoke about that stuff back then. So instead you had families where they were being deeply hurt by the fact that the father was an alcoholic and he might have been getting into rages or into depression or super anxious, however it was showing up for him. And then all the family members were affected by that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't spoken, it was hidden. But then those kids were impacted and then they passed that on into the next generation of family. 
And so the so cycle continues. The cycle continues, but quite hidden then. It's only now that we start to realise, hey, how the parents are does actually impact the child in, into their adult life until finally an adult might go, wow, why do I get angry all the time? Or why am I so anxious all the time? Or why am I too afraid to speak up? Or how come I get cross at my kids? Why am I losing my temper? Until someone starts to ask those questions, like when they do, yay, you can start to ponder and go, maybe my family life did have an impact and maybe I need to look at that because you can deconstruct it then. Mm. The patterns that you're taking into your adult life don't have to become like the patterns you live with for the rest of your life. You can make a change. So does it necessarily kick in when you become a parent yourself or can it kick in at any time where you start to have these inquiries that maybe my childhood um, and my family life is something that is impacting me in a negative way? I think it used to be that people, when they were parenting, they noticed because they'd get distressed at, oh, I'm yelling at my child um, or I'm pressuring my child. But I'm finding now it's kids in their 20s are already waking up, which is so fabulous because you can start to make a difference already. So kids in their 20s are already realising, I think that what happened in my family, they're not meaning to be critical, they're just saying, I think it had an impact because I can't express or I get stressed really easily or I'm anxious or sometimes I just can't get out of bed during the day. And they're starting to ask why. And that's great because already they can start to unpick what happened in the family and start to repair that. So this, <laughs> I'm laughing affectionately, this is not a licence to turn around and blame your parents totally for everything that's not. happened to totally your Totally not, no. <laughs> because what you've got to notice is, so you can have the, the same parents and say five kids, each child will have a different way that they responded or reacted to their parents. So how you react and respond is... That's you. That's your choice and that's your responsibility. So you can't say, because you were like that, dad or mum, I'm like this. It's like, no, that's not true. You chose how you responded. And you maybe didn't choose from a, you know, a fully aware, knowing place, but you still chose. But the beauty of that is that you can unchoose. Like you can then choose differently, which is great. You've got freedom there. It's kind of a little bit too uh, comprehensive that <laughs> we chose that. We chose how we responded to that. That's really interesting because you're right. We get family members yeah. who are comp- in some ways completely different. Yeah. Same childhood, same, same upbringing, childhood. same yes. parents. Yeah, but they're quite different because they've chosen a different way to react to whatever was going on in their family. And that's where that's where the responsibility comes in, but the freedom. Because, okay, if my parents did this but I chose how to respond, it means I'm responsible for how I responded but that means I'm free to choose to respond differently. Mm. Yay. So how do we we start to work with this, Cynthia? I mean, is it something that we can unpack ourselves, journaling, talking to someone? I mean, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like something that's just that easy, like bing, the light bulb's (laughs) on, got all the answers now, complete change, of course. Is it that easy or do we need to do a bit of work on it? Usually it's not that easy. Like journaling is great, Um, talking to other people is great, but I find people who come to me have done that and they find, okay, that's helpful to a point. But sometimes what you find is that um, there's some hurt or some pain underneath what happened in the family and it really helps if you have an outsider that can help you hold that pain to start with because it's just... 
instinct that we avoid that pain at first because it's pain. Like, you know, we don't instinctively go towards the pain. Usually we try and avoid it. So it's lovely if you can go to someone who's used to holding that pain because that makes you feel safe to be able to face it and feel it and deal with it. And often that's the first step is to be able to just hold that pain because it's from that pain that you originally chose your response. So you might have chosen to get angry because of the pain or you might have chosen to give up and get despairing about the pain or to be stressed and anxious about the pain. You chose how you responded to that original pain. So you need to be able to go back and hold that pain and accept that and be with it and then it can start to dissolve. And as it starts to dissolve, then you find that there's um, a more free, fully self-expressing essence of self that can come forth. And yay, then you're free to carry on life without that burden or that baggage of the of the family that you have to carry behind you. You can let that go, put that away. Yeah, beautiful to be able to unpack it like that. And it, it, I, I don't know if it's is it something to do with family, but it seems to be like why does that that hurt hurts a lot it does (laughs) it doesn't seem to be like you know you had a fight with your best friend blah 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 you know it's a hurt we're kind of you know cranky at each other and we don't speak for a while but the family hurt it's a burn that's different to everything else is it not yeah but if you think about it like when you're born like your family is your universe because when you're young family is what's surrounding you it's everything so, of course, that's going to have a massive effect because that's your experience of the world, of, of the universe, is just your family. And so to survive, we need love. And like that's just taken for granted. We need love. And if there's not love, like different versions of not love, like an angry parent, a sad parent, an anxious parent, a yelling parent, whatever it is, that hurts because we were wanting and expecting and hoping for love and then we got this other thing. And that's deeply hurtful because uh, we needed that love and we didn't get it. We got something else. That really gets us where it hurts because in order to feel safe, we have to have love. And when there's not love, it's unsafe and that's scary and that's going to hurt in some sort of way. So this could affect so many areas of our life. Totally, because it's fundamental, that's core. Mm. This is our heart and we take our heart into all areas of life. Mm. And that if that heart has a hurt in it, then that, that hurt is going to leak into all different areas of life. Relationships, especially and in particular, but also work environments. Like when I listen to people describe their work environments, they're actually like dysfunctional families because people are, <laughs> are playing out their hurts in the work environment and the hurts are coming from past family experiences whoa so this really big question has turned out to be a really big question (laughs) a really big big question (laughs) because this could be like at the root of a a lot of our issues it is yeah yeah yep and it's not to you know like we said it's not blaming the family but it's saying if you go back and look at that basic family pattern you will be able to unpick that and change the pattern that you might have been living out in your life. And then that gives you more freedom to choose how you want to be in the world, which is great. You've got the freedom then. Otherwise, it's like you're on a train track just living out the response or the reaction you had to your original family. And that's no way to live. That's not a free way to live. I'm adding another really big question to this really big question. (laughs) (laughs) It's all part of the same thing. 
children who've gone through an enormous amount of childhood trauma huh. um, in their family environments, is it are they able to repair it? I wonder whether because it's it can be so traumatic and affects so many different areas of their life. I mean, is it a, is it is it doable to be able to fi- to not fix this? How do you say it? To be able to repair, repair it, yeah, yeah. rehabilitate, yeah, totally. And we are actually realizing that I wouldn't want to put a figure on, it, but possibly the majority of people have some sort of trauma in in their childhood. If, because we're starting to expand the definition of trauma, it's not just that you got bashed and it's not just that you got sexually abused, not to underestimate the impact of those things. They're dreadful and deeply hurtful and harming for children. But we, like I said, we need love and if we don't get love, if a parent is yelling at us, that's a little mini moment of trauma. And kids can have a lot of those mini traumatic moments and they impact our development and especially in terms of how our brain develops and so I find a lot of people will come to me and they've had difficulty at school never got diagnosed because it's not a full-on you know dysfunctional learning difficulty thing but there's moments where they just can't connect that dot to the next dot and that comes from a like a mini trauma moment where the brain just went and couldn't function in that moment And those type of things impact our capacity to be in the world and function in the world and manage the world. Some people start to realise, oh, that's why I'm a bit disorganised or that's why I procrastinate or that's why I can't uh, manage relationships because something mini trauma-ish happened back when they were earlier in earlier life and they're playing out now. So we're starting to realise that that trauma is very common and plays out in our present life. But fortunately, you can do something about it. It is processable. You, you can start to unpack that, unpick that and repair it and rehabilitate, fortunately, which is great. Are those, I don't want to say smaller moments, but those other moments of trauma, which are maybe not as obvious as, um, you know, the physical abuse and things like that, are they easy to identify or does it take a bit of work to go back? It takes a bit of work to go back. Because um, it doesn't sound traumatic, but say you've got a family that's just acting like everything's okay and everything's nice and seems reasonable and yet stuff is hidden, like that's also traumatic because kids can feel like something's going on. I know, I can just feel something's going on, but no one's saying something's going on. Like, you know, maybe there's relationship difficulties or a parent is depressed or a parent is just not coping with work or a parent's got an addiction. Like kids feel that, but if everyone's acting like it's normal, then they can end up with an anxiety disorder because they're like, no one's saying anything, but something's not right, but I don't know what's not right. Mm-hmm. This is scary. So that's ang- traumatic. It's anxiety-provoking. Oh. But you, the child would never know until we go back and start to unfold that and they can start to feel like something was wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the old classic moment when the parents have a big fight and the kids walk in the room and everyone's like, are you guys okay? Yes, everything's fine. Um, (laughs) And you say it's better to say, no, everything's naturally not good. Is that more supportive to a child? It's more supportive because it's, it's saying that your sense of reality is true. Otherwise, the child goes, my sense of reality is maybe off because no, no one's acting like something is off. So, oh, it must be me. Maybe I'm wrong. And so that starts to disconnect a child from their true self because the true self felt what was actually going on but gets told, no, it's not going on. 
So they start to leave their true self, their true intuitive, sensitive feeling, beingness. And they lose that and lose connection with that. And then you're lost because that's your, that's your radar. That's you. That's your essence inside there. And you're disconnecting from that. Mm. Oh, gosh. Right. No parent wants to admit that their things aren't going good. Like it's, it's actually not, a, not an easy process to say to your kids, I'm sorry, look, I'm just – you know, not coping and things aren't good. And yes, we just had a big fight. And you don't have to go into detail. Kids don't need any of that explained, but they just need to for you to say, "Yep, we had a little bit of fight. Everything's okay, but we did have an argument." Like just that is all I need. Just one statement so that their sense of reality is confirmed. Beautiful. So not yeah. a full confession to don't, the kids. <laughs> do not do a full confession and go into the detail because that's also traumatic. And your father said. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Kids don't need to be the therapist for their parent. Definitely not. No. One one simple statement is enough. Right. So yeah. make sure you get that in check too before you uh, – and that, that's probably a little bit of a moment for a parent to be able to make sure that they're gathered their self and not to uh, – yeah, it reminds you to gather yourself so that your child doesn't have to unknowingly gather you because that, that, that's another trauma for children is that if parents can't handle their own internal emotional selves, then the child instinctively picks that up and they learn to become like perhaps people pleasers, mm-hmm. instinctively trying to fix other people because the parents couldn't hold their own self. Not to be critical, but, you know, we are responsible for managing our own emotional selves to the degree that we can. Mm. Otherwise, your kids will try and manage you. Gosh. And that's sad. That's too much. They've got to learn to manage themselves first. Wonderful, wonderful advice, Cynthia. Is there anything else you'd like to add towards the um, the family life? Anything small and practical that we can start to do to perhaps create some change in our lives? Well, I guess the the main thing is to make sure that you are acknowledging what's going on and uh, confirming the child's sensitivity and not making them wrong for that. So if a child is distressed or upset or wondering about something, then have a chat with them and, and, and let them talk about that and let them explain what's going on and let them connect to their feelings. Because too often in the past, my generation, we were brought up with never talking about emotions or feelings. And, and not that they need to be all emotional and, and go into detail, but just get to know their own emotional selves so that they can uh, manage that and understand what's going on inside. Because once you can manage your own emotional self, then your deeper, more um, essential beingness can come through because your emotions aren't clouding them. And that's, that's a wonderful way to be able to be then. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Cynthia. Great advice. Thank